Hey, I'm Brock with Brock Entertainment. And I'm Amanda with Amanda Reed Weddings. And this is the I Do IQ podcast, where each and every week we're going to be discussing the latest in wedding and event trends. And we're going to let you know all the things that you need to know in order to make your event the most special. Yeah, and in the end, you will have the best wedding and event experience ever. And something tells me we're going to have a little fun along the way. I don't know about that. I'm a pretty serious guy, Amanda. And this is a serious topic, so... Only seriousness. Serious business. This is the I Do IQ podcast. Let's begin. Hey, it's Brock and Amanda with the I Do IQ podcast. How is everybody doing today, Amanda? How you doing? I'm good, but I'd like to say my own name once in a while. It's cool. All right, let's try that again. I'm Brock, and this is... (laughs) Oh, Amanda. I'm Amanda. (laughs) And this is... Hey, Amanda. Thanks for coming. Um, this is the, the Brock, the Brock and Miles show. Hi, I'm Miles. Apparently so. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. We're having a good time here. We, this is our first zoom call that we've ever done together and we're having to do this because we are quarantined and there's no place to go and we can't do this six feet apart. So we chose to do it miles apart. Miles and miles and miles. Miles. I see what you did there. I can appreciate the pun. (laughs) So we're having a good time. Everybody doing good. You guys uh, being safe with your families. Yes, my son is marking out like when people have to come by my house to like visit for uh-huh. something, drop something off. He drives like chalk lines on the sidewalk like you're not allowed to cross here, you're not allowed to cross here and he'll sit in my office window and like call me out if I step outside the line. <laughs> if a toe crosses, he's like mom, mom, mom. So, yes, very safe, very safe. Like mom, this to is To be not fair okay. though, not okay. You you live in Springdale, so like you're used to having chalk lines out on the sidewalk anyway, so that's not that. I suddenly have a bad connection. Like I think I'm going to uh, need to hang up on that. Wow. Also Springdale. Yes. That's also, I, I love Springdale. Live Springdale. I yeah, love yeah. Springdale. Stop it. All right. So let's kick off the podcast with what are you into right now? Amanda, we'll start with you, Miles. You can think about it. Usually this is wedding related, but it doesn't. I mean, it can be anything. But what are you into right now, Amanda? Okay. I'm going to go with anything because okay. like... I'm a little creatively like, eh, right now I'm, I'm working on redoing so many weddings right now. So right. I'm all into Shit's Creek. I love that show so much. I've seen it. I've watched it. I've been watching it for ages, but I'm like, I'm all about it. They just had the wedding. It's so exciting. I love it. You love That's it? That's me. Okay. Love I it. am into, I mean, I, I downloaded Quibi the second it came out. You know what Quibi is? I don't. Tell no, me what's that? It's what is a that? new app that is on your phone. It's TV for your phone. So they have specific shows that are made to be watched. Each episode is 10 minutes or less. Oh, so it perfect is perfect for the short attention span. Exactly. No attention. <laughs> and there's a new episode that comes out every day. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Of 10 okay. minutes or less. There's some great shows. There's a lot of um, big stars that are on this. So right now you can get free subscription for three months, cost you nothing, and then it's four ninety nine each month with ads or seven ninety nine a month with no you ads. You sound like so. you have a paid partnership. Is that a are we missing out on the paid partnership? So IQ is brought to you by <laughs> Quibi. Download Quibi today. No, I've listened News to, to Amanda. I've listened to so yeah, many thanks. podcasts that uh, that have been doing Quibi ads, talking about really? Quibi and downloading okay. Quibi. But no, I, I just downloaded it. I was bored. I, I can't sleep. I've become a night owl. Amanda, you and I talked about this the other day. Totally I've reverted relate. to my college days where I'm just up past midnight every night for no reason and <laughs> looking for different things to watch or download or just anything, really. You're like an infant who has his days and nights mixed up, aren't you? It is. That's, that's it is. 100% yeah. true. And I when know, I it's... wake up at 930 or 10 in the morning, it's like, oh, you slept the day away. But I went to sleep at 2 or 3. <laughs> Like, I'm still not getting enough sleep, but I'm not tired. So, all right, Miles, what are you into? 
then I'm I'm overwhelmed for you right now. Uh, I, yeah, I don't have anything that's like um, like on trend like that. I mean, we you know I'm I'm at home with family and kids all the time. So I guess aside from just work and work and work and trying to find new ways to work, yeah. um, I'm probably spending the majority of my time. This is funny, but exercising with my eight year old. He's become obsessed, and so like we run together each day. We lift weights together each day. It's become like this fun little bro time with just uh, just me and him, which is kind of cute. It's kind of fun. So well, you're obsessed with working out. So it, it makes sense that your son is now obsessed as well. Yeah, it's sort of funny. I mean, we've I, I've been telling friends this, but like, you know, this this whole isolation thing, the one thing that has done, at least down in the South, is it's removed all our excuses. I mean, like right. even takeout is fairly healthy, right? I mean, I, I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be. But like for the most part, what what we're getting in takeout is like relatively healthy food. And so we're cooking at home. We're eating at home. We're sleeping as you should be sleeping more, but like we're sleeping well. So it's like, what else do you have to do all day, but like work and run. So I, I go for runs throughout the day just to like keep myself sane. I don't know. Amanda, before too long, we're going to talk to him and he's going to say, well, you know, we're still eating healthy, but we got our own garden. We're eating off the land. We're hunting our own food. We're hunting, hunting our own food. And, uh, yeah, you got those woods behind that? your house, Miles. So we, we do have the garden. I, I need to go till that actually. Um, oh, so yeah, I don't know. Till. Oh my goodness! No, I did. I wow. did. Uh, n- no chickens yet, guys. Um, I'm I'm still high maintenance, Miles. So all right. So Miles, I'm not, t- I'm not touching those things. Let's start from the beginning. <laughs> For people who don't know who you are, you're Miles Whitboyer. You own. Miles Whitboyer Photography, and how long, like start from the beginning, how did you get into photography, when did you start a business, and what's your birth date, what's your blood type, what's your social security number? Yeah, uh, 525, uh, <laughs> now I... Um, I mean, guys, I've been doing this for a long time. The three of us, let's be honest, have been right. doing this together for, for a long, long time, uh, which is what's so cool about being a part of this. And so I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's, it feels more, actually, it is more just like a round table with friends, which is which is cool. Um, I've been doing so many podcasts and Zoom calls lately with people that I don't know that this feels um, a lot more fun. Can I say that? Uh, <laughs> you should. You definitely should say that. It, well, I, you know, like I have a huge one at four o'clock today with like hundreds of people that I don't know. And I feel like I have to be on a much better behavior at that point. Right. So, um, so I, I, let's see, I, I started this company, um, officially started it in, uh, in 2008, um, in, in Arkansas, I was a photographer in New York for a little while before that. And then, um, I've kind of worked all over the place, um, in shorter photography jobs in San Antonio and in New Mexico. And, and then obviously in New York. Um, but I started as a wedding photographer for myself under my my own name, uh, in like 2008, 2009. So pause Uh, for a second. Yeah. Let me bring this to everyone's attention. We got Amanda Reed weddings. We got Brock entertainment. We got miles Whitboyer photography. What the heck were we thinking? (laughs) How hard is it going to be to sell our companies to somebody else? Hey, uh, I now own miles Whitboyer photography. What's your name? My name's Gary. You know, it's like that doesn't work. Brock Entertainment. Uh, my name's Jeff. You know, it's um, for just just uh, so we're all clear. Gary, if you're listening, call me. I will I will rebrand for you. Uh, Gary, no, I mean, 
Listen, here's the thing, though. I think we've all had this conversation a number of times, right? Like Ralph Lauren hasn't stitched his own suits in, in quite a while, right? Um, I, the, the brand, the, the branding around your name was a smart decision on all three of our parts. And it still continues to be because it, it builds trust with your clientele. I mean, people people understand uh, exactly who they're working with, even if who they're working with isn't you at the time. Right. Um, and so the buck stops at Amanda Reed. It doesn't matter if Stephanie's doing the wedding or Carol's doing the wedding. What those people people have is Amanda's trust. Um, but the buck stops at her. And so that's, that's how it is with us as well. We have an incredible staff of, of people that work for me. Um, but you know, if that were to change or if something were to happen that is unforeseen, uh, you know, the, the questions end up at my doorstep. And and that's something that we've spent a, a decade building is that trust, um, and that, that repertoire with our, with our clientele. How's right, that for a soapbox? No, that was great. So go back to the beginning again. Sorry, I, I just messed. Okay, you. no, you're you're great. So I anyway. So we um, I started this company, um, you know, 2008 ish, uh, something like that, um, and uh, and not long after my wife and I got married, and we kind of rebranded and we did the like his and her photography deal. That uh-huh. in, you know, forgive me, other photographers that are listening, but we <laughs> we kind of did the convenient, you know, husband wife. Uh, photography deal for a while. And, and here's what I learned through doing that. On one hand, I learned that my wife is brilliant. She's an incredible marketer. She's has an absolutely remarkable business mind. What I learned on the other hand is that in almost every one of those photography companies, there is one person who doesn't belong there. And, um, and so Melissa for as talented as she is, there was a lot of things about this business that she didn't want to do. Right. Um, and, and so we, we kind of faked it till we made it for a while. And then she got pregnant with our son, Gavin, and she found herself in this role. That's, I think a much more appropriate fit for who she is in the sense that she kind of helps govern ideas and helps bounce concepts and thoughts off of me, but she doesn't have a camera in her hands all that often anymore. And so when she does, she actually kind of blows us all out of the water. But what that left was a, um, a void, like a vacuum in the company. Cause I needed some help. Um, and so we started in 2010 hiring a, a, associates at the time. We don't call them that anymore. Um, I don't like the idea of like junior varsity employees. Um, <laughs> and so you're on the freshman team. Yeah. You know, it makes it it makes it feel it implies at least to your clients um, that if you're not available, they can have the next best thing. And, and I don't like that idea. I like the idea of saying like, you know, the next best thing may actually be somebody outside of my company. And I'm willing to admit that completely. You know, we've got some remarkable photographers around here. So it's whether or not we are the best thing or we are not the best thing. And anybody that's on my staff has sort of my stamp of, you know, of approval there to say like, you know, you guys have full autonomy to make your decisions. And so in, in 2011, going into 12, we really started to make those choices to say, like, I don't want you to feel like a, a B-rate employee anymore. I want you to have your own clientele, your own brand, your own concepts to your work. Um, so we took away the idea of it needing to be like, you know, um, Max Grub four miles with Boyer. It, it, we, we shifted that and said like, hey, Max, dude, you have your own name. So it's OK for you to be Max Grub. And and that left again another vacuum in which we said, so where does Miles with Boyer fit? Like where is the where is that? And and so in 2015, uh, we shifted around some things and decided we were going to form this idea called the Photographic Collective. And um, 
that has allowed us to have a hub, I guess, uh, for these artists to work under. Um, so they are Max Grubb for the Photographic Collective or Brandon Bucheri for the Photographic Collective. But it also allowed us to expand what we do in the sense of saying now we we offer video, we offer commercial photography, we do family and portrait photography. And it allowed Miles Whit Boyer to become uh, a little bit more um, specialized in weddings. And so that's that's the uh, like the driver that connects me to you guys, right? Is right. you guys know me as miles, but formally, I mean, my name is miles with Boyer and, and what we do together is weddings. How's that? Was that a, that a was good, good. story? Yeah. Okay. How long, okay. Amanda, how long have you known miles? When did you first uh, meet him? Eight years, seven. I don't even know. I, probably one of the very first weddings that I did. Um, I, I met you and I think you had just shot a friend's wedding. And I kind of fangirled a little bit. I was like, oh, uh, whatever. And then the ego and all that kind of, yeah, exactly. There was the ego. And then, it, I mean, but I think we, we kind of hit it off as friends pretty quickly. And I, I think that's been probably, I mean, Sutton's nine. It was not long after he was born. So probably about eight years ago, I think. Okay. Mine yeah. was January 2011, about two weeks after I got married. We were at oh a gosh. wedding at Mermaids together. Wow. I didn't know who he was. And we became instant friends. And I remember this wedding because it was the most awkward toast we I've ever seen in all the years that yeah, I've been day, in a wedding. I still wow. feel like I could crawl into a corner. Just I mean, the toast wasn't for what it's worth. The toast was not about the bride or the groom. No. The toast was about how amazing the bride's dad was. Only it was given by the bride's dad. No, no, how? that's not that's not the toast I'm talking about. No, no, no. Okay, tell me. It was by the <laughs> groom's best man. <laughs> and the groom's oh my gosh, yes, this this one. <laughs> was talking about how, well, basically, the groom's best man was in love with the groom. And Miles yeah, looked all- at me and goes, oh my God, he's in love with him. Like, yes. Uh, yep. That's, that's yes. That's this true. one. And and I have been waiting seriously. And I, I, I like I, I cringe to actually admit this. I've been waiting now for what, seven or eight but years to get the call that the two of those guys are getting married. Yeah. Anyway, still, that's still awkward. Hasn't still hasn't happened, uh, though. No, no, not yet. Wow, but I think there's still time. Really... Oh, my gosh. He, he was crying. Awesome. He was. Oh, uh, it was mm-hmm. the whole thing. I'm a little so, sad that I missed that. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was in 2011. And from then on, Miles and I have been joined at the hip. Figuratively. True, true. Yeah, fi- very figuratively. Very, very <laughs> All right, so getting into the world right now, uh, weddings. You do a ton of weddings. And Amanda had some questions for you as, as far as that well, goes. Well, yeah, my first question I want to ask you, I think I know the answer to this question, but I want for, you know, for those who don't know you the way we do, describe your photography style. Tell us your style. Your, you know, what, I don't know. It doesn't have to be in just a couple words, but talk to us about how you work. I'll do this for you, Miles. I got you. Um, okay, thanks. So he gets his camera. He uses Fuji's these days. He just gets it. He doesn't even look. He just starts shooting, whatever. He doesn't even care. He's hanging out. He's just boop, 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 boop. And what you get is what you get. Am I right, Miles? You should, That's you should it. hear him describe That's my it. job. You should really hear That'll him be describe f- my job. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh my uh, gosh. Uh, and we're done. Thank you, Miles Whitboyer. Check. Uh, make sure the check is cleared and I'm out. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Amanda, here's I here's the funny thing. I love that you asked that question knowing full well the answer to it. Um, of course. Of course. I, 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 but I do, I will say this. I think there's like a lot of value and I'm learning this right now in this Zoom world that we're in. I think there's a lot of 
of value in being able to articulate a thought. And this is something that like it, for the last decade of our of our career, I think it has been important, um, but we haven't ever uh, spent this this kind of time working on it. And so I'm trying actively to learn how to better articulate myself. So I, I can really actually appreciate that question because I'm not sure I've ever even articulated it to you, let alone to clients very well. I'll say this as a photographer, I, I feel like my style is uh, sort of ever evolving. So I, I think what the one thing that we kind of can all agree on is it's a lot easier to say what we don't like than what we do like, right? I mean, I think that's that's sort of uh, just our generation of people can say that. And and so there are a number of things about photography that I don't like. I don't like photographers that are too quick to niche themselves and say like I'm the bright and airy photographer or I'm the dark moody photographer or I'm I I feel like our job as uh, especially primarily what photographers is to interpret the story in front of us and a portion of that, probably the largest portion of that is this, the light and the way the light plays into the story. And so I would say that my stylistic kind of approach is to try and connect the dots between the way the light looks and feels and the way the couple look and feel and to allow those two things to align. And so sometimes I end up being a little bit more on the light and airy and soft romantic side. Often I end up being a little bit more on the kind of like moody, sultry side, but that's primarily based on the client's tell that we attract not my own, you know, personal goal for things. And so as a photographer, my goal really is just to serve. I mean, that that is that has always been our goal in general is just to say photography, in my opinion, should be a byproduct of just a really great experience with our couples. And so I'm not the type of photographer that's just obsessive about carrying a camera every time I leave the house. I don't take 5000 personal photos a week. For me, it's a tool and I love it. It is absolutely my life's work at this point, but it's a tool that I feel like if it weren't photography, it just would have been something else. I mean, much the same way that Brock, you have used your time in broadcast and your time on radio, and then your time as a DJ to connect those dots in the way that you connect with people. And Amanda, you've found a way to connect the dots between design and hospitality. I've just used a camera to connect my love for relationship and my love for light. I'm, I I hope that sort of solves the answer there. I think that's a really good answer. Yeah. So you, you, when you meet with brides, do you go with what they're looking for? instead of what you want to do personally? No, no, I really don't. And, and and here's the reason why. If you were to go to pick it, I mean, you've got to think high end because that's really the clientele we work with. Now, we're not elite market, but we are luxury market. I mean, that's sort of the, you know, uh, somebody asked me the other day, if we were to compare ourselves to a bottle of water, what would it be, right? And I said, I don't think I'm Voss water, but I definitely think I'm at least Fiji. And so I, I, like he, my, I think my approach to working with our clients is to say, if you were to go to a, a very high-end steakhouse and tell the waitress how you would like your steak prepared, the chef would probably send you back a middle finger on an empty plate. Ooh. That's just the way it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that person has worked hard to get to where he is and 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 understands his job and his approach to his job far more than than just your taste for his job. And so the way that I kind of approach things is to look at our couples and say, listen, probably the most most critical element of our relationship is just going to be that you trust me to care for 
for you and that I trust you to give me exposure. And so then I start to interpret the the mood and the moment. Now, most of our couples, a caveat, I mean, most of our couples will tell me, you know, hey, we really like the lighter stuff, the softer, you know, less sultry work. My approach to that always is to say that's fantastic and I will do my very best to sort of like lean towards that into things. But, you know, if there's a F F3 tornado going through the background of your photos, I promise I'm not going to photograph it soft and light and airy. <laughs> I'm going to tell the story of your right. wedding day. And, uh, and I mean, I think that's ultimately like that's my job is to tell the story, not to tell the Pinterest version of the story that that these girls wish they had. So. So speaking of Pinterest, how often do your couples bring you ideas from Pinterest? And when they do, what is your response? Uh, I love I, I mean, I love mood boards like that. I, I'm pretty active on Pinterest, actually. Um, I'm pretty engaged there. That's sort of a relatively new thing for me. But I, it's a, a network and sort of a platform that I feel like is really well utilized when it's intentionally utilized. And so we ask our brides frequently to work ideally through their planner, whether that is Amanda's company or not. I, my goal is to say, hey, your design has a lot more to do with your photographic style than your personal thoughts do. And so I would rather you align with the design, make sure that if you want that light, soft, airy, romantic style that you communicate with your planner, that you want the hydrangeas and you want that right the, the greenery and all of the beautiful things that go into that that then will allude to my photography telling that story. But frequently I ask girls, you know, hey, if you have things in mind that you want on Pinterest, send that over. But but there's a cutoff and the cutoff for me is six weeks. I tell our girls that six weeks before your wedding, I don't want any more. I The worst thing that you could do as a bride is to try and picture your wedding in pictures. You you can't do that. You're not those girls. You don't look like those girls. You're not going to have a day that looks like those weddings. And so about six weeks out, I start telling girls that send me over mood boards like, hey, please stop doing this. You know, we're done. We're done dreaming. And the only thing left to do now is for you to look hot and get married. Like that's your job. And I'll take the pictures. How do you feel about people who send pictures and like, we want you to recreate this shot right here? I did. It's just a hard no. We've learned. I mean, come on, we've done nearly 500 weddings now. Now, right in 42 states and like 11 countries. I mean, we've learned the lessons the hard way, and I've walked away with too many black eyes and too many bumps and bruises from from brides saying like, "We want this image," and then me not performing because they're not that couple. And so right. the answer to these days is, if they want to send me over a shot list, and I realize that that probably, and I hope that this doesn't come across as me being like overly arrogant. What it is actually is just me having a very clear understanding of what my role should be in their wedding day. And so if they want to send me a shot list, we ask for them to go haywire during the formal photos. So if they would like specific photos with family and they're afraid that I won't take a picture of like the bride and her dad, please, please give me that list. Like, and I will do my very best to either have one of the planner's assistants. A lot of times that's where we'll go is say like, hey, Amanda, can you please have one of your girls stand right next to me with this list and help me call this thing out? Check it off one at a time. But when the goal should be me being creative, there's no way for me to be creative with a camera in one hand and a piece of paper in the other. Right. And so I just have to be present. Uh, that's that's probably the hardest thing about this job is the the sheer number of photographers that get into this, not realizing that this is probably the most public facing role you could have on a wedding day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, everybody is looking at the bride and the photographer. It, you know, if you're not pretty buttoned up and capable of dealing with stress, it's going to come out and it's going to come out in a bad way at a bad time. Everything you're saying is pointing back to that trust factor, though. And that's something I feel like I talk about constantly 
with my clients, but they're trusting you to show up and do the job you said you're going to do. But also you're having to trust them that they're going to, to be hot, to do the things that they're supposed to do. Like there's a lot of trust that goes into all the pieces of our job, even Brock. I- I'm sure you don't love when people give you, here's a playlist. Here's every single song I want to hear on my wedding right. day. I mean, we all know how that goes. Well, so, you, you just got to trust your experts. We're the experts. Mm-hmm. You got to trust us to do what we have been hired by you to do because, you know, we go to weddings all the time. We do this right. job all the time. This right. is the field that we're in. You wouldn't ask a doctor who's doing heart surgery. This is how you need to do heart surgery because I Googled it and this is what it, is what it said online. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like, to, to that point, though, I, I think what I would say, though, is that like, you know, that that doctor that that is doing heart surgery still had to go through his pre-med. He still had to go through, you know, the MCATs and med school and clinicals and all of that stuff. Stuff. And I think there's a real tendency in our industry. And I would say, I think it's really important for people in this industry to understand that making these decisions too early in your career, it probably puts you in a corner that you're not ready to, to box your way out of if you need to. And so I, I think it's really important for us to, to encourage people early on in their career to just be as flexible as possible. Your job is just to serve and serve and serve. And so if people ask you to take photos that are not necessarily your style, just do it with the biggest smile on your face because it will give you the opportunity to make clients happy. And that's the one thing you don't have is happy clients, right? You may have beautiful work, but you don't have happy clients behind you. But the further you get down that rabbit hole, the more I think you're capable of saying like, you know, no, I I feel like for my brand and the future of my company, I need to start making decisions that like help shape where I want us to head. So I, anyway, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's so easy for us. Often I was on a a call with a Fujifilm call a few days ago. We were talking about how the world of X expertise photographers has just blown wide open because I'm a perfect example. I don't shoot seniors and families and babies, but now that there's no such thing as wedding photography for the next few months, right, guys, please send me your seniors. I will do it. I've realized I actually am not even that bad at them. Here's a question. Told, so. Do you shoot boudoir photos? I would like for you to say that again because it's really funny how you say it. Is boudoir not the right word? <laughs> boudoir. boudoir. Or should I go to Max? He's the expert in... in uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, go to Max. I don't. Uh, <laughs> um, there's, you know, there's, there's been a number of, I, you know, I've tried, I'll uh-huh. say that, um, I've tried and I, you know, and uh, truth be told, I've tried a couple of times I've tried fairly successfully. Like I've walked away from those shoots being like, you know, I kind of, I kind of got the images that I needed. Here's, here's my, my, probably my cornerstone for the photography that I do is I'm just a big sucker for authenticity. Right. I, I love when moments are real moments. And I, I say that with the back door of saying, sometimes I feel like as a photographer, my job is then to make moments real moments. I have to kind of provoke emotion that isn't necessarily there or provoke a movement or a a timing that wouldn't have happened naturally. But there is just nothing about a boudoir session that is actually authentic. Um, (laughs) It is just a series of lies built on lies, built on lies. And that's not to discount it. I think they actually can be really beautiful. I think there's a lot of value to it. Brides typically get a little frustrated with me when I say that the boudoir session, in my experience, is probably about 90% for the bride and not for the groom. I've rarely seen a groom get one of those books and be nearly as excited as she <laughs> wishes he was. Usually it's like a, well, 
there she is, you know, hey. like, what am I supposed to do with this? Right. But then you see the brides typically walk away feeling so empowered and so beautiful. And so because of that, I think there's a lot of power to it and a lot of value to it. But I, as a wedding photographer, I've always had a hard time connecting the dots as to like why weddings and boudoir had anything to do with each other. Cause I, I really don't see, except for it being like a convenient gift, but like girls, if you're listening to this, just get him a decanter with his name on it. You know, like <laughs> that's what he wants. There you go. So there you go. Amanda, I asked the question that you wanted me to ask. I was, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat. Thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, so I hear a lot of people talk, a lot of photographers talk about digital versus film all the time. Like, what's the bits, the big deal between the two? Like, and I've I've asked different photographers, I've gotten a little bit of explanation into this, and you've actually explained to me as well. But I'm curious for the client who probably isn't as educated in this in this category. Like, what does that mean? Like, when someone's shooting digital versus film, what why is one better than the other? Why do they complement each other? Kind of can you kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I do shoot both. As a wedding photographer these days, we've cut film out uh, pretty much completely unless a couple specifically asks for it. There were years in there, guys. And, and and by years, I mean like close to a decade where photographers still were holding on to the fact that like film is just better. It's just better. It's just better. There are things about shooting film. And I will say this from a, from a purely stylistic perspective, there are things about shooting film that are, uh, I guess, better in quality wise. It feels more rich. There's a lot of uh, texture and a lot of depth in a film image, but there's also a lot of risk in shooting film on a wedding day. And at this point, I feel like technology has gotten to the point where it's actually unnecessary risk and largely unmitigated risk as far as most film photographers that I see shoot film because they see themselves as like very artistic or very connected to the moment, but they're not frequently shooting a digital back up of that image. And so if for something, something goes wrong uh, with the film, then that's it. So there is no, you know, there is no backup plan. And, you know, to tell people that are listening how that process works, there's a number of times in which the film is in a pretty fragile state. When you're loading the film in a camera, when you're unloading the film in a camera, even the temperature fluctuations. So like if you put the film in your car and it's a hot day, that can all affect the way the film works. But then you're sending it off to people that you don't know and hoping that they are opening that can correctly in the right room, that they're exposing it to the right chemicals for the right amount of time. There's a lot of fragility to working with film. For a long time, that was the only option that we had. And so you just understood as a film photographer that if you could develop and give a couple, say, 150 images from their wedding day, that was a very successful day. Well, in this day and time, most of our brides are asking me for 100 photos an hour, right, of final images. And so that that type of thing along the lines of film, it simply can't be done without taking, again, obviously you're scaling the risk, right? More rolls of film equals just more risk. And so the way that we kind of articulate to our clients these days, my love for film is, you know, on your engagement shoot or your bridal shoot, if you want some film images, I love that. Let's do it. Like, let's get out there and play. I have, I'm surrounded by film cameras in here. I collect old film cameras, but actually on your wedding day, having a photographer that has either invested in their gear or invested in a company that then invests back into them with gear um, allows you to to have a number of safety nets. And so I shoot a digital camera that's considered, it's called a medium format digital. Here's the easy way to put it. It's about three times larger. The sensor is about three times larger than what most full frame photographers shoot, right? That allows me to have a lot of information in the image and a lot of color depth and stuff that I can do in the editing process. It also allows me in all of our cameras to carry two memory cards at one time. And so when I take one picture,
sure I already have two copies of it. So if anything goes wrong in the transfer or the upload or anything like that, I'm already mitigating that risk. And, and that's not to say it's a perfect science. Things happen all the time. But I, I think our job is to try and protect people's memories. And film to me these days is a it's a beautiful, beautiful medium. I mean, and, and that's not to downplay. And I hope I, I don't offend or ruffle any feathers. I wish sitting here looking at my medium format film camera, I wish that thing got more use. But every time I click it for as much as I love it, I realize that I'm shooting it for me, not for the client. Right. And and that's a problem. But I, you know, I, I used to compare it to people. A lot of times I would say like, hey, if you hire an amazing wedding band, I'm talking like the most bomb wedding band ever. And they happen to have a Rolodex of songs that perfectly communicates with your clients or with your, your you know, your group, your, your reception, then that is going to beat a DJ any day, no matter what. Right. However, if you have a lackluster band or you have a band that wants to play country and your group wants to dance or anything in there doesn't connect, you've now created the perfect storm in which a beautiful reception can collapse really quickly. And it's something that a good DJ could have totally solved all on his own. Uh And so that is what digital is for me these days, is it allows me to manage risk and allows me to take care of my couples even ahead of my own artistic preference. So the question I get, Amanda, that's just like that. Brock, what do you think about, you know, using digital files versus records and my response right. is neither tapes just use eight tracks you use, no eight tracks not eight no. tracks tapes yeah so tapes. i pull out tapes what do what do you want to hear is it on a side or b side and that's what i play at wedding click like hold on hold on tape for every i gotta rewind this one they wanted the second song i had it on the fourth song and it, it's gonna Sorry. take a second hold on but like right like that is the interesting thing though because we've all gotten so like we've all gotten so silly at, just as a culture and there's nothing wrong with this i actually think it's really cool but like you know i drink bourbon and craft beer right and i like my vinyl record player and i have like a hand carved chess set on my desk and like I I like cool handmade candles and like all of that stuff and so freaking Ron those, Burgundy over here oh my yes. gosh you, how many leather but, bound like, books do you got my, back there my can right but my camera bags right are like hand stitched bison leather like what we've Amanda, got to name some stuff that you got did you no 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 no, those, no no uh, I'm those, like I, I don't mean I don't you? mean pretentious but like I think that that's the thing that people don't <laughs> that don't get is like so we want these old vintage beautiful heavy cameras to like be a part of our personality as artists of course but again that doesn't matter like it you know if you are using the wrong tool for the job like it doesn't matter how dope your hammer is if you need a screwdriver that's good good point Good point. Okay. See this microphone? It was cast in a volcano on a remote (laughs) island that you've never heard of. (laughs) He can't even think of one right now that he's like, a remote (laughs) island that you just haven't heard of. Um, If you'd ever heard of it, he'd be able to think of it. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, fair Mm -hmm. enough. All right, what do you got now? Oh, okay. Back Um, to you, Amanda. You know, you've talked about this, like there was risk using film and all this. Have you ever had, share a horror story, have you had a horror story regarding film, you know, in a situation like that? Do you have a specific example of some time that that went awry or I, mean, um, even with, even I do. Images. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point. Here's the interesting 
thing. I think like most people, I think you could ask that question to, and we'd all be like super clammed up, right? Like, oh, you're never supposed to admit that bad things happen. Oh no, we're um, we're all. This podcast is all about talking about bad things because yeah. yes. it's funny, uh, and we we can laugh uh, about it now. Oh gosh, now, I still like I funny. I literally for what it's worth, I'm He's sweating sweat right now because you asked me that. I really am. <laughs> I'm wearing black on purpose, and it's my only shirt that says my name on it. Yeah, what does um, the rest of your shirt say, by the way? Miles, Miles. Oh, you you forgot your um, name once and twice. Three times. Three times. Yeah, that's it. No, it's uh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Yeah. Miles, miles, miles. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brandon got this for me as a joke, not thinking I would wear it, and I love it. So it is what it is. It's a cool shirt. Um, and uh, and it allows me to sing, say my name to him every time I see him. Amanda so. needs one um, that says Mandy, Mandy, Mandy. <laughs> Why? Why? Panda, I quit. Panda, panda, I quit. Panda. You, dra- okay. um, <laughs> you dragged me into this, and now I'm like, yeah. I'm this quit- far from quitting. Okay. Horror stories. Let's yes. do this. Okay. Yes, so, yeah. Okay. So, t- two things. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind actually is a story that isn't, that doesn't have to do with me. So, I'm going to compliment sandwich myself here. My sister's <laughs> wedding was, I think, 2001 or two, something like that. Um, I think 2001. And her photographer is a photographer that is an absolute idol of mine. I mean, I still love the man's work. We connect on social at least once a week. I mean, this is just a remarkable artist. And so this wasn't a moment of irresponsibility on his part uh, by any means. But she had three rolls of film from her wedding day, including the images of her of my dad walking her down the aisle not come out well. Uh, they they developed, but they developed with what's called sunspots, right? And so there was like hot spots in the image. And that's the type of thing that, like that can't be photoshopped out. That can't be fixed. That is in it's ingrained in the negative it is what it is. And so I remember early on, I mean, that was, I was shooting at that point for another photographer um, at at 17 years old. But I remember early on thinking to myself, like, I mean, how could you possibly avoid that? And, and at the time, my job, I was working for a wedding photographer and my job was to, was to carry your, you guys are going to love this. I'm never going to hear the end of this, but I had to carry two fanny packs, one on each hip. One fanny pack was unloaded film and one fanny pack was loaded film. And so the photographer would carry her camera and I had another one around my neck that was the duplicate of the exact same camera. And when her film started rewinding, she would hand that to me and I'd take the one off my neck, hand her the other one. And I would unload one roll and then reload it. And then, right. So my job was just to stay behind her and keep loading those rolls of film so that she never had to slow down. But I can remember so clearly the thought of like, I'm just walking around with the entire wedding on my hip. If, if anything happens here, like one, one roll bounces out, right? Like anything like that, that's a scary reality. So that, that's one story. The second story, actually, though, I uh, happened to me the year before last. And and guys, I mean, we are meticulous about taking care of our images and backing things up and making sure that things are safe. And so we shot a wedding uh, close to here in Salem Springs for the sweetest couple. It couldn't this couldn't have happened to a worse couple. But what ended up happening was we had a number of uh, scheduling things go wrong. That sounds like me making an excuse, but that's actually it was that purpose that changed the trajectory of my trajectory, sorry, of my stress (laughs) level. And so we started making micro mistakes early on in the day. And now I can picture that I can see that was happening. But along the lines of we were shooting too many cameras, we were passing cameras back and forth between the two photographers just trying to move quickly because we were so far behind schedule, we were trying to just invent time. And instead of telling the couple, you know, hey, listen, we don't have time for bridesmaids photos, we don't have time for a first look. And we're sorry, but that wasn't our fault. Like you guys ran so far behind. But instead of making those decisions, we just 
kept telling them, you know, yes, 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 we're going to make it work. And so what ended up happening was we had one camera. Uh, we shot you know, just between two photographers. We shot seven cameras at this wedding. And we had one camera that never got loaded with the second card. It had one card in it. And that can't that, that card, coincidentally, because um, this is just the way it works, were the photos. The only thing on it was the photos of the bride's family. Mm. We loaded all of the cards. Everything looked good. All of the information was good on the backup. Everything cleared. There was no errors. There was no anything. And so about four weeks went by and it was time to start editing that girl's wedding. And we loaded those cards in. And that's when we saw that there was an error on those cards. And so I went back into the other hard drive, not even thinking about it and saying, well, hey, it's okay. I've got a backup. That's why we have a backup. We're okay. And there wasn't a backup. Um, And so what we ended up having to do was uh, very hat in hand, the most uncomfortable conversation I've ever had in my entire career. And it wasn't, and I don't blame them for this by any means, but it wasn't received gracefully at all. We had to have a conversation with the bride and her mom and then her dad about the fact that we don't have, we were missing about 75 photos from the wedding day, all of which were her family photos. The make good on that ended up being something that again, like I said earlier, I'm a nut about authenticity. And we ended up having to, because this is what they wanted to do. She wanted to get her dress back on, wanted to get him back in a tuxedo, wanted to get the family back together. And so... I paid to have her dress cleaned, paid to have her hair and makeup done, paid to have the florist come back out and redo all of the flowers at the front, paid to rent the venue, paid another photographer and my time to cover this from multiple angles, and then spent about four hours on about 40 photos because we just had to do our very best to try and like solve for this issue, right? So that's that's the type of situation where I will say, you know, water under the bridge now, those photos have been delivered. In hindsight, we have uh, adjusted processes and made sure that, you know, we're, there's more checks, more balances. But if that can happen to a photographer that's 450 weddings, 500 mm-hmm. weddings into his career, you know, the young, cool hipster photographer who's deciding to shoot film because they think it's a good idea, it, it just wait. But, you know, I mean, it, you're, you're just sort of like playing roulette, I, I would say, really is the way to, to look at it. Oh, that makes my stomach hurt, though, to think about that. I mean, I know, you know, on the bride's side and then on your side as well to have to, to do all the, the backtracking to make it happen. That I makes mean, my I, stomach when hurt. When it was all said and done, after the money that I refunded them and the money that I spent, I lost about $1,500 on that one. Oh, so painful. So yeah. painful. <laughs> and even then, it's still like, I mean, and this is the important thing to point out. It's not about the money. If I see them in Walmart, we still avoid each other. Oh, man, right? that stinks. Yeah. Um, um, so it, I mean, I think this is this is the valuable stuff. Like people need to hear this stuff. Right. And so it's like, well, if you're if you're taking any unmitigated risk like that and we didn't even know at the time we were right, like we were just we were running gun and it is not typically my job to load those cameras like that. It's not like it actually wasn't my camera that 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 happened with. But as we talked early on in the day, you know, the buck stops in my name. You know, it doesn't matter whose error it was. If there was an error, it was my error. Um, yep. And so I paid for it. OK, so my last question to you, Miles is what is your favorite wedding image ever? Do you have one that you've shot? Maybe not even wedding, maybe couples, maybe family, maybe, I don't know what it is, but favorite photo you've ever taken? Like one that you're like, yeah, that's, that is, that best represents me, that for whatever reason, the feeling, something about that picture, why, what, that you love? Yeah, how about a series of photos? That'll work. Can I do that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I mean, aside from, I think the easy answer, the, the thing that immediately comes to my mind is like, I mean, you guys can't see them, but I've got a whole wall of personal photos above my head here that are photos of my kids, photos of, you know, my wife and stuff like that. Those are all really special. And I shoot a lot of those. But as far as a wedding based image, there are, I, I would say that it's, it's more like there's specific memories, not mm-hmm. specific images. So I shot a wedding in Turks and Caicos um, a few years ago. And this couple just drank the Kool-Aid um, on trusting me. Their couple's images were absolutely beautiful. But there was, uh, let me tell this story quickly. I'll try and tell it quickly. There was a moment right before sunset where we asked them to go out on this abandoned dock that didn't have any wood on it. It was just the concrete pylons. And we had to hurry because the tide was coming in and the tide would come up over that dock pretty rapidly. And so I, I grabbed, just snagged very quickly, snagged this image of the bride and groom walking out on these very skinny little concrete pylons over the open ocean on their wedding day while their entire guests party were watching them and cheering for them. And I knew at that point that though that image was really powerful, what we had with them was something special. And so I chatted with them on the way back and said like, you know, that image was incredible. Thank you guys so much for letting us be here. What are you guys doing tomorrow? And they said, we're taking all all of our guests out on boats to this little island. Um, We're going to do conch shells and like bonfires and stuff out on this island. And I said, they were both college swimmers. So I said, I've got a really weird question. How do you feel about taking your dress and your suit? out on those boats with us and us trying to do some underwater images with you guys. Fast forward 12 hours and there's a huge storm coming in, a big swell coming in. The boat captains are shaking their heads at us like you guys cannot jump in. The rollers were like 30 feet high. I mean, we were just like bobbing and bobbing. And uh, and the bride was in her dress. The groom was in his suit. Um, none of us could wear any kind of flotation devices, obviously, because the goal was to shoot them underwater in the open ocean. Wow. And so we all jumped in against everybody's better judgment with my wife on the other boat yelling at me the whole time. And we dove down. Um, I think we did a total of six dives. We dove down. And the very first thing that we saw were uh, barracuda about mm, eight feet beneath us. Oh! Um, and the groom just being a stud of a man and like I said a college swimmer he swam down and started clapping in the water and scared them all off which was like I okay uh, that was absurd and stupid and we got these images of them kissing diving down and kissing each other underwater with just nothing but just blue abyss around them and that was really cool but the last photo the very last photo we all could at this point we genuinely we were having a hard time getting catching catching air and we knew it was getting kind of dangerous and so we called for them to throw a, a, like a flotation device, just a, a life ring out to us, right? And the very last photo was me going under and shooting up on the two of them. And, and you know, the bride on one side, groom on the other side, and this like ring, ironically, red and white striped ring in between them, uh, just in the open water. Um, and that so was cool. a moment, that was a moment for me that was like, you know, I've done Iceland, I've done Canada, I've done the volcano in Guatemala, I've done Springdale, Arkansas, right? Like we've, we've seen it now, like we've done cool, beautiful things, the million dollar weddings and the hundred dollar weddings. But that was one of those moments to me where I was like, you know, if every bride and groom would trust themselves and trust me enough for us to make those images, there's just no limit. I mean, absolutely no limit to the things that we could do together. That's awesome. And can you share those photos so we can post them on social? Yeah, absolutely. I'll send them over to you. Um, So and I can also send you over, I mean, a number of other things. I, you know, I'm most proud. I'll put it this way. I'm sitting here looking actually at 
Blakely and Alex's wedding, which was a wedding that you guys planned, but I wasn't even the lead photographer on. Um, I'm most proud of the the times that we get to do images alongside friends. I really am. I mean, I, when I get to when I get to call like I, me razzing you guys the other day on the Instagram pages, both of y'all's photos that you posted are photos that I've taken of you guys. And that's such a, <laughs> like, such an honor to me. But, you know, as a photographer, I'm perfectly willing to admit that though I love the uh, I love the challenge of shooting the next great Pratt Barn wedding, I would always prefer to be off the map and away from cell phone service and, you know, doing something like a, a little bit more adventurous. Well, Miles, you are an amazing person. We've only kind of scratched the surface today. We're going to have to have you back and actually ask you some uh, questions about weddings and brides and stuff like that. But you, 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 you're a big talker and we like that. <laughs> that we, I'm sorry. We talk less, so that's good. But we do a segment on the show called Opinions. And so we got a couple of questions for you and we want to get your opinion. So what is your opinion on a first look? Bride's choice. Okay. How's that? Um, it's old. not, come on. It's not about me. Like this, well, isn't, that's true. You know, this isn't about me. But yeah. what would you prefer? Your opinion. Your opinion. Yeah. It's your, it's just your opinion. Uh, with a videographer, I would say a hundred percent of the time. Yes. First look, uh, your, your video will not be, uh, nearly as cinematic or beautiful without that footage. And it's nearly impossible to get that footage later in the day. If it's photo only, uh, we've come up with ways to really accomplish a very similar look and feel whether we do it or not. I will tell you this. Here's the actual opinion. The doors flinging open and the bride glowing from behind and the groom tearing up happens in every Hallmark movie and doesn't happen in any wedding. <laughs> so um, if the reason you're not doing a first look is because you have these starry eyed concepts of that one moment out of 500 weddings, I've seen it happen maybe twice. OK, makes um, sense. So I, it's just such a more intimate, vulnerable, authentic moment when a couple doesn't have the pressure of their 300 closest family members staring at them. Good point. I, I have one more question and then Amanda has a couple questions. Planner or do it yourself? Actually, Amanda's going to get mad at me about this, probably. But I would say, oh, here it comes. I would say, actually, there's there's a there is definitely a do it yourself bride. There really is. And, and just like I would say that there is a uh, photographer or a bride out there for startup photographers. And and here's what it comes down to is if you're going to spend 60 percent of your budget on the planner, then you're not giving anything left for the planner to do with the leftover money. And so it really is at that point, it is a wasted expense. If you have the budget for a planner, any planner, then that should probably be, I would say, in your top two expenses. And if you can carve enough budget for a good planner, then it should be in your top one expense because that person is going to act as li as a liaison between you and every other person that you have to hire, as well as just a quality check and help keeping you on time. But I will say there, I think there are weddings and I have done them. I've done elopements. I've done, you know, tiny 10 person weddings where there just simply wasn't the budget to hire any additional staff. And so if you're if you're in the realm of making your own bouquet, you probably also are not in the realm of hiring a, you know, very high end planner. Well, look at the time. Uh, I, I think we're done here. Miles. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to here's no, Amanda, no, I, you can echo no, that, right? that. No, I don't. If, yeah, I totally if, do. I absolutely. If, I mean, if a bride calls me, that. if a bride calls me and says, hey, Miles, <laughs> you have to be at my wedding. You're the 
only thing that's important to me at my wedding. I have a $7,000 wedding budget and I say, great, your photography is going to be $5,000. Then what I'm doing, what I'm doing in the name of serving my clients, what I'm doing is taking advantage of their budget. Right. Of um, and so there are there are photographers out there that will do this job for $1,000 and there is going to be a quality difference between what they give and what I give. But that additional money will allow you to spend in things that I think will help fill the gap. I know. I totally agree with that. And I've said the exact, I think I even said that last time we talked, Brock, it's the exact same. I mean, I agree. I yeah. agree because I, you know, I have to sometimes, you know, I'll get into a conversation with a potential client and it's like, yes, 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 we're all in, we're all in. And then we start talking budget and I'm like, oh. They don't I, have I want it. to do yeah. this. I want to do this for you, but I also have to look at the number of hours that it's going to take me to produce this thing for you. And okay, uh, great. Um, yes, we can fit into the budget, but there's nothing else. Like literally, yeah, yeah. now you have no money for flowers. So we've hired a great photographer, and you've got a great planner. There's not a whole lot for them to shoot. And yeah. you know, I, so I, t- I totally agree with what you're saying. I understand. That, and I that yeah. said, I mean, I I I will wrap like I'll wrap that thought up by saying if you have a planner that you trust enough to spend the money on, then you need to get out of her way because, mm-hmm. because the reality there is, I, I think that's the other thing that I see most often is brides that splurge on hiring the planner and then try and micromanage her yeah, or him, I guess. But your role in hiring that person is to allow that person to help hire all of the other people instead of you acting now as though you have some, some input in an industry that you know nothing about. Good answer. All right, Amanda, nice. time Very for nice. your opinion questions. Oh, well, okay. I guess I'm going to follow that up with band or DJ. Oh, I already said it. Um, I mean, I already said it. Like I, like I said, listen, if, if you can, if you can afford Maroon 5 to come to your wedding, then, then get the band, do it. I mean, like a hundred percent of the time, do it and, and invite Brock cause he'll dance his heart out and we'll have a blast. But, but you have but to pay if, me to dance and be there because I don't, go. I don't go to weddings unless I'm being paid. <laughs> Not even, um, not even friends' weddings. <laughs> but what we what we hear more often than not, I, I think at, at receptions, and I hear a lot of this is, you know, even with a good band, it, you don't have an MC, and so frequently you'll have these awkward, dull moments, right, where the band wants to go eat or the band wants to have a smoke break, and there's there's nobody there to fill the void. There's nobody there to announce, you know, that the bouquet is about to be thrown. There's nobody there to be um, the you know the person that sort of keeps momentum, and so there's a reason why. Rock has built this this mammoth monopoly on the area. And the reason for that is because he solves a problem that can't be solved without him. And nobody else has figured out another way to solve it. And so he's just good at at being both MC and DJ. And, and unless you've got a band that brings somebody that's just that talented at it and has a, an incredible Rolodex of different styles and concepts, I think you're always better going with a DJ. I also will say this, and, and here's like, me out on this. I I will say similar to the the conversation with the planner or no planner, a DJ is always a remarkable place to save money. It really is. It is always a good place to save money because if you're even on the fence about your budget, if you even have questions about budget, then that means that a band is likely out of your price point. Yeah. Just go if, you know, if budget's even a thing, just go with the DJ because Mm -hmm. that DJ is going to likely be able to do the same job and, uh, and allow you to have a little bit of excess in the budget. There you go. We got one more 
more opinion question, Miles. Yes. And we know yes. you'll have as a lot going, to say about this one. As we're going into the send-off, like talk to us about your favorite type of send-off or maybe your least favorite type of send-off from the ceremony or from the reception, like getting that last, you know, hurrah. Horror stories, great stories, favorite stories. And tell us how many times you have burned your clothes. That's the one we really were going for. I have been burned all the way through a suit, vest, shirt, and undershirt, and I have scars on my back. Oh, my God. A, hey, from, a, from a sparkler. I was at that wedding. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awkward. Um, okay, was here's not, which is awkward. <sighs> yeah, um, you didn't miss anything, um, except for me using words I don't usually to a guest. So the send off is a is sort of a, an interesting thing because the traditional send off happens from the church or the chapel, mm-hmm, true. right? It's it's not actually like an exit. It's supposed to be a congratulations. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So because of that, my very favorite thing is actually when we're we're running out of the church or the chapel or wherever the ceremony is, and I don't care at that point if it's flower petals or confetti cannons or uh, snow machines, which I've seen done and are gorgeous and super cool. It doesn't matter. People are so excited to say congratulations to the couple at that point. And you have everybody there. Fast forward four hours of everybody being um, drunk and tired and sweaty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now it almost doesn't matter what you put in their hands. You're getting sort of a lackluster version of what could have happened four hours ago. And so I, I don't, I don't ever prefer a send off from a reception. That being said, sparklers and or confetti cannons, I suppose, are probably the best. My least favorite thing is when people trying to do bubbles at night. Yeah, that's that's fascinating to me because I'm like, (laughs) what? how do you want me to shoot that? But I I have done a few, though, with snow machines at night, which was that was a really cool thing. Um, Hey, is this a thing? Are there glow in the dark bubbles? Oh, that'd be cool. I've seen. seen (laughs) But they wouldn't you wouldn't be able to shoot them. You know, the the flashes would ruin that. Yeah, that's true. I don't think there'd be enough enough glow in anyway though like yeah. I don't think a oh, bubble would be that's why light. like people do the glow oh. sticks and stuff like that it's just like it doesn't work you know what I do yeah. love I think this is really really cool I love the uh, the cell phone lights oh, that's cool. um, those are fun mm-hmm. yeah. I really do and the simple simple reason because you know everything about weddings like we all lie to ourselves in this industry and say what we're doing is timeless nothing we're doing is timeless 10 years from now I mean look at your wedding photos right like our wedding photos are I'm, I'm in a I'm in a black tuxedo that's three sizes too big for me it's true I you know I mean come on and I thought I was being timeless at the time right. But I, you know, so I think that it's important and or fun to put as much dated trend into your wedding as you possibly can in appropriate times. And so like everybody knows right now, I mean, this is just a part of our lives. You know, you have you have your cell phone. It has a flashlight on it. And more than likely in 10 or 15 or 20 years, this will not be a reality to us anymore. There will be something new that we're doing. And so I think that it's kind of fun to do that just because it's relevant. That's good. So I, I got one more question for you. I just thought of this. Yep. What yeah. song do you hope you'll hear at every wedding reception? Uh, celebrate. Um, Yay! Is, That's is Mandy's abs- favorite song. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I feel as though I'm actually cheating on Amanda Reed Weddings when I dance to that song and she's not there. Um, celebrate, that- Mandy. Come on. It's not perceived uh, as cheating on me. Believe me, it's fine. Um, <laughs> not you personally. Amanda Reed it. Weddings. Yes. Company. It's um, not. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I don't... You know what? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. I do have a favorite song. Let's hear it. When you and I do anything, literally anything by Bruno together, we... It's here's the it, it it's a it's a remarkable thing what happens when everybody on the dance floor suddenly realizes like holy crap these guys have like a like a choreographed 
like, well, uh, yes, we do. We do yes, a lot we of do. weddings yeah. together. So we dance to Versace on the floor all the time. Oh yeah. Miles Whip Boyer, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Uh, in quarantine, rather. And we're gonna get you no. in the studio and we have so many more questions we need to ask you, right, Amanda? Absolutely we do. Yes. So okay. thank you for jo- well, uh, enjoying yeah. or enjoying joining us. Thank Amanda you for enjoying us. Any yes. last words from you? Not a word. Never's a word. Never never uh, never any last words from you. Everybody, thanks for listening. Something. Miles, where can we find out more information about you and your company? Literally everything. Just Google search Miles Whit Boyer, Wit with two T's. Um there's just pages of all, all of my socials are the exact same handles at Miles Whit Boyer. The website is MilesWitBoyer.com. The video is MilesWitBoyerFilms.com. I'm just obsessed with my name <laughs> to find it. Evidence by the shirt. Evidence yes. Shirt. Uh, make sure to follow him on Instagram and check out all these beautiful photos. And we'll post some on our social as well. To both of you, thank you so much for joining us. This has been I Do IQ Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. Thanks so much for listening and make sure to subscribe and expect a new exciting episode each and every week. Please follow us on social as well at I Do IQ Podcast. If you have a guest recommendation or a topic you would like to hear discussed on the podcast, please let us know. The I Do IQ Podcast is recorded at the most amazing studio in Northwest Arkansas and by the most amazing and best looking people in all the world, Go Rogue X. You can follow them on social as well at Go Rogue X or visit them online at GoRogueX.com. They truly are amazing. And if you're looking to start a podcast, they are your go-to people. Also, a big shout out to our creative people, David Kinney from Forward all the way from the great state of Michigan. You can check his website out, theforwardcreative.com for all your logo and design needs. And for more information on Brock and Amanda, please visit djbrockentertainment.com and amandareedweddings.com. Thank you again, and we'll see you on the next episode.